Hi, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, February the 8th. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the latest from the legislature, former Senator Jeremy Hutchinson's legal case, and football at UA Little Rock, and maybe some more. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Hello. So, uh, I guess the big news from the legislature this week was... Uh, Governor Hutchinson's tax cut for the wealthy cleared the 75% threshold in the Senate after failing the first time it was brought to the floor. Yeah, and the only reason it failed is a couple of, I mean, there there were some votes held back for some promises on a highway bill, which I guess is going to come Monday. Uh, I noticed the Democrat Gazette this morning had a story quoting some members of the House of Representatives saying they're not going to vote until they see what the highway bill is. But not to worry, they'll... The only question is how they're going to do it, <coughs> and I, I I think the sentiment is in the Republican legislature that any highway program has to get approved by the voters. I guess they'll extend the existing sales tax that's go half cent that goes to highways, and maybe ask them for for some more. I, I just uh, I see a little bit of sentiment. On the Republican side, not much, probably not enough to stop this income tax cut for the notion that maybe we need to spend some more on some services like schools, but that that seems to be taking a back seat to giving the millionaires a tax cut. You know, this really is amazing to me. The, this income tax cut bill is now in a form that 75% of the money goes to 14,000 taxpayers making more than 450000 a year. More than 90% goes to people making more than 200000 a year, maybe 1% of Arkansas taxpayers. And, and the legislature just thinks that they're the most important people in the world. It's not like any of them are threatening to move. They're the job creators. Well, they're not. I mean, a lot of them are just people that are clipping coupons. And, I mean, they could have created, well, by the fact that they get eight or 9000 more a year, make them create some jobs. I mean, it just doesn't stand to reason. The math doesn't work. There's no evidence that there's any truth to any of this theory. I mean, ASA will be able to say that our top marginal tax rate is no higher than that in Louisiana, Missouri, Mississippi, Tennessee, Texas, other surrounding states. But does does that small distinction really override Educational workforce, natural resources, transportation infrastructure, all of the reasons that every single important empirical academic study that's ever been done has said are more important than marginal income tax rates. Uh, there was an open carry um wasn't exactly a, no, the, a legislation. No, that, it was a resolution saying this is an open carry state. It's just kind of to add some bullying, lobbying voice to the notion that there is no law that prevents open carry, and there's no law that, in fact, that requires a concealed carry permit. Although that is the law, that there is a law for that. Uh, this is the hardcore gun nuts belief, and they think if they can get a resolution that somehow that'll add some weight and pressure on courts. We don't yet have a definitive court ruling on their their theory that somehow the Constitution demands unlimited gun carrying no matter what. And as Charles Blake, to his credit, said, he said, listen, if you want to pass a law, pass a law. They could pass a law. Well, I mean, I don't know if they can. I think there's there'd be some objections from prosecutors and sheriffs. But if if the people of Arkansas really want unlimited guns everywhere, pass the law. 
and, and but they don't they don't want to do that, which suggests to me they understand there is some resistance to that. And uh, the stand your ground bill that that came up earlier. It, been... it was delayed, uh, and that's good news. The sheriffs have made it clear they don't like it in the form it's written. I don't think they can write it in a way that the sheriffs and police chiefs will find acceptable. I keep being told that prosecutors are laying in wait to raise objections. These bills, I mean, the record is clear. They encourage homicides. They give people excuses to fire guns where there are alternatives to killing people. It's just bad law. And we don't need it in Arkansas, but there is a real fear of voting against gun bills. But for now, at least, that bill has been slowed down. It's not heading to instant passage, at least. Some ethics, so-called ethics proposals. Nothing. This was it. All it doesn't even waste time talking about it. They would increase some penalties for ethics violations and give the ethics commission a little more money. None of these things really alter the landscape in terms of what's legal and illegal in Arkansas. What would be meaningful? Well, a greater disclosure of income, a greater discourse, disclosure of sources of income so that we know where the legislators, as a, as a matter of fact, had to disclose where they had financial relationships with people with interest in legislation. They had to file it. We certainly need a better financial disclosure law for lobbyists. I, I think we could have a law that's where they had to disclose specifically who they'd entertained and what they talked to them about when they entertained them. Okay. Uh, there was a tenant protection bill filed yesterday. It was introduced. Uh, you know, it looks like it would be nice if they passed the question. And, and the only thing we know is, you know, one of the – biggest special interest lobbyists in the states represent the realtors, which is one of the most odious lobbies in the state. And she said, well, we're going to work with them on this. Well, they've worked with them. They've spent $6 million on legislators in the last eight years, and they've beaten every effort at a landlord-tenant bill in the last 13 years. And by general agreement, Arkansas has the worst landlord-tenant law in the country. And I think the truth is, the, the now there are some decent landlords that would take meaningful landlord-tenant law that required you to have a apartment with heating and cooling and basic services, but uh, a lot of them don't. They like it the way it is, and they like essentially a criminal eviction process. Some landlords don't use it, but some still do, and it's just there. there's some really bad people in that business, and they seem to be able to control a lot of legislators. This bill is being, its lead sponsor is a Republican from Paragool. That's a step in the right direction, I guess, in the Republican legislature. But, And I hope I'm wrong. I hope my cynicism and skepticism is just dead wrong and the time has finally arrived to bring Arkansas into the 19th century on landlord-tenant law. But uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Jenny Monk from the Arkansas Democrat Gazette's been doing some really good reporting along these yeah, lines. Yeah, you know, they, they've done some reporting that is added to reporting by others, by public interest groups, and, and Vice did a particularly great thing on landlord-tenant law in Arkansas a couple of years ago. And she's reported on the money that flows into the into the the realtor's lobby. And it's just, uh, you know, this is another one of those things, like the tax cut for millionaires, is... I mean, really? When it comes down to a vote in the legislature, you side with people that that want to take a, a a rent deposit back from somebody who wasn't provided running water and heat 
in heat in the middle of winter. But, I mean, that's what our Arkansas legislature has done. Anything else stand out this week? Well, you know, I don't guess it was any surprise that the that we're going to pass this trigger bill on abortion that will make abortion illegal in virtually every case if Roe v. Wade is overturned. I was sorry that three Democrats, Eddie Cheatham, Bruce Malik, and Larry Teague, voted with the Republicans in the Senate. I, I assume this bill will pass easily in the House. It has umpteen sponsors already. But, you know, I, again, it's one of those things where I understand that there's a lot of opposition to abortion, and I understand a lot of it is is rooted in absolutely, sincerely held religious belief. But when you examine what they propose to do in this bill, you want to go, really? I mean, this bill would outlaw abortions for rapes. It would outlaw abortions for women whose health could be endangered by abortion. Now, there's an exception if your life is in danger, but that's a, a subjective call by a doctor who might say, well, what if a prosecutor says, you know, that woman's life really wasn't in danger here. I'm going to charge you with a felony because you did this abortion. It requires women to carry to term fetuses that absolutely will not live outside the womb, uh, fetuses without brains and without the full complement of organs. Uh, the, the case I mentioned this morning actually happened in Arkansas some years ago. Uh, a 15-year-old in western Arkansas, they called her retarded at the time. Somebody objected to me to using that name, but I, I think there's sort of a softening when you say developmentally disabled. Maybe you think this was just a girl who had mobility problems or something. And she was mentally retarded, as the term went then, and she was raped by her father. And under Medicaid law, you can get money to pay for an abortion in a case of rape. Uh, Mike Huckabee refused to allow state money to be used to pay for this abortion and, 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 and won a settlement in court where they had to use private money, but the abortion was done. If, if this law, trigger law, takes effect and Roe v. Wade is overturned, that will no longer be the case. A 15-year-old developmentally disabled girl raped by her father with an IQ who had an IQ of four, if you gave that child an abortion, uh, it would be a felony for the doctor who did it. I I, I just think that's wrong. I, and, and we and and without hesitation, the Arkansas legislature is about to pass that law. I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand it. Okay. Uh, anything we should be watching out for next week? Highway oh, bill. Oh, you know that. Yeah, the governor's going to say what the terms of the supposed highway compromise are Monday. Uh, I noticed that Trent Garner, the world's worst legislator wants to again move the primary back to February, I, I presume for some presidential reason, as if Arkansas voting for Trump again is somehow going to make us part of the national conversation. I, I don't get it. I mean, there's so much I don't get. I, I don't know that there's any good news to be had out there. All right, well, let's move on. Uh, former Senator Jeremy Hutchinson filed a motion in federal court this week to dismiss his federal his felony indictment on account of allegations of misconduct by the FBI. Last refuge of a scoundrel, blame, try and say the cops were crooked. Well, and, and uh, ex-mistress. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, here's the deal. He says, well, my ex-girlfriend, uh, he didn't name her, but it was Julie McGee. It was written about at the time, the person who assaulted him with the alligator head. 
uh, stole his laptop and his cell phone and then gave it to the feds and they're using it against him. Well, you know, I think even when the feds get control of, of material that's damaging to you, how that how how somebody else got it may not be relevant. I mean, and, and also, this was a woman that Jeremy kept going back to for a long period of time. He kept she would they would have these terrible bust ups and then they would get together again. So I, I'm not really sure how good this theory is, but you know, and he also says that well they sweet talked me into giving them statements because I was going to help them get John Woods and Rusty Cranford that now they're using against me. Well, he's a lawyer. Maybe he should have been smart enough to shut up. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's got a case here. The government re- will respond to this. We, we shall see. I, I think John Woods tried some of the same tactics in his case and the judge turned it down and he's in federal prison well and, and but, Wood, he, but he's appealing and you know well you know. And also wood woods's case was maybe a little stronger i mean that an fbi agent did delete all the contents of a computer right although i don't think that had much impact on the facts of the case now in jeremy hutchinson's case also you got to remember it's a tax case and it's pretty clear that his campaign money was spent on things that were not campaign expenses. Oh, he claims if he could just produce his records that are now lost, he could show all this stuff was, was legitimate. But his ex-girlfriend, his former wife, I mean, there are a lot of people that have said, come on, Jeremy was living out of his campaign account. I mean, you know, I, and that's, he says not, uh, his daddy wrote a letter defending him. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, again, I'm I'm skeptical, but he'll get his day in court. So uh, I saw today or yesterday that that Gilbert Baker's uh, trial had been delayed. Well, that was yeah, that was going to happen. I mean, they always set him early and then delay him. And uh, <clears throat> Hank Wilkins' sentencing has been delayed. Yeah, that's more interesting. I think I, I, Gilbert Baker's trial was scheduled two months after he was indicted. They always delay those. But Hank Wilkins' trial has been delayed. Uh, sentencing has been delayed now several times. The widespread speculation, widespread speculation, is is that he's cooperating to get time off his sentence and is giving other information about other people. Who knows? Okay. Uh, a study committee has recommended against UA Litterock starting football team this week. Well, it, duh. <laughs> I mean, they were going to have to come up with twelve million dollars a year to do football. They they they're having a hard time supporting basketball. They have the highest student fee in the state that's going to support athletics i don't think the chancellor was for this but they had to respond to some popular call to look at it and 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 it just wasn't going to happen i mean i think there was some interest in the part of the state and even the mayor then mark stolen having football at ualr some kind of local and you for know war memorial for war memorial stadium i don't know i i see frank scott the mayor said well, he was sad to see it, but maybe we can still get a bowl game. And I thought, oh, please, no, not a weed whacker bowl in the War Memorial. As long as they can have all the bowl games they want, as long as ESPN pays for it, but not a single dime of state money to bring, you know, Northern Illinois and Eastern Timbuktu to play two, five, and six teams in War Memorial in the dead of winter. No, please, no. Yeah, there's been a lot of reporting on how. 
how much of a boondoggle those are. It's just a total boondoggle. And, and I don't think it'll happen because I think ESPN is tightening up the spigot because they're having their own problems. Right. I mean, people, there is a point at which there is too much college football and Ball State versus, you know, Eastern Nevada School for the Mines and Little Rock in December is not, is, it's just not a big ticket item, you know. We we definitely wrote quite a bit about this. I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, but while we're on UA Literoc, uh it it popped into the news recently uh, over tensions between Eastem and and right. The and we we talked a little bit about that last week. I mean, it's a problem. Uh, Eastem is is just created. They think it's driving students away from UA Little Rock. I don't know that that's been proven, but it's made for a campus atmosphere that the college students and the college faculty do not like. I mean, they're high school kids running around, and they're swarming the the dining hall, which isn't big enough to handle everybody, and they're in the library, and they want to take more space from campus classrooms, and there's some buildings on campus that need to be fixed, maybe need to be torn down because they're in such bad shape, and East M is only creating a drain on that. They haven't created a flow of students into UALR, as somebody said would happen, and that was a pipe dream. And but East M kind of says, "Screw you! We got a thirty-year deal, and we ain't going anywhere." And since they got Walton Billions behind them, and the university ain't got much behind them, uh, I think uh, for the time being, there's not going to be likely much change. All right. Well, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. What do you have this week? God, do I have anything? Uh, I'll go first. What do you think on it? Uh, I have been craving brisket since I read uh, Stephanie Smittle's excellent piece on Naaman's in Texarkana. And uh, I saw on Twitter someone talking about how good the brisket was at Count Porcula. So, well, I'm curious about that. I, I saw that same note. I, and I went over today, and it was quite good. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Arkansas is not known for brisket. I mean, if you get brisket in Arkansas, generally speaking, it's dry and tough. Yeah, this was neither. Uh, well, that's good to hear. Every now and then, Sims gets brisket right, believe it or not. I mean, they're kind of – they're. I mean, brisket is really a fine – I mean, it's hard to do brisket right. Well, I usually want chopped or pulled pork and ribs, especially – I mean, Sims has been my go-to barbecue place. But I think Cal Porcula is going to be in the mix from now on. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, I, I saw a good – the Democratic Gazette reviewer gave it a good review, and I saw maybe maybe it was Charles Blake or Antoine Phillips went there and said it was really good. And, I mean, I, I've, I've got to get down there. I'm, I'm, I mean, really good brisket. I want pork most of the time, but sometimes that kind of melt-in-your-mouth brisket is a very good thing. And good sides, too. I had some uh, some beans, kind of an interesting – treatment to them I, I couldn't quite pick out the spices a little bit of sweet but more heat and then uh some greens with plenty of pork in them yeah no it's, it sounds like i'm gonna get down there sometime i it uh it it, it called to me okay what do you got well, nobody's going to do this, and so I hesitate to recommend it, but I, I realized that I saw something last night that I really enjoyed, and, and it is available on the web because the Clinton School keeps all of its lecture programs on the web, and you can go back and watch them. And last night they had a, a couple of speakers, uh, Johnny Bilheimer and Henry Woods. Henry Woods is a former federal magistrate in Arkansas. Johnny Bilheimer is in Washington now, works for the Justice Department, but he worked for years in Little Rock. Both of them had experience 
is uh, members of the first integrated law firm in the state, Walker, Kaplan, and Mays. They grew up blocks apart. Henry Woods is black, Johnny Bilheimer is white. They never crossed paths until, until both of them were law clerks for G. Thomas Isley, a federal judge. Henry Woods was the first black law clerk in the state. And they talked about their childhood living apart and, and then coming together and, and growing up. What Growing up in Little Rock, they were in junior high at the time of the school crisis. And Henry Woods lived down the street from Jefferson Thomas, one of the Little Rock Nine. And so he came home and talked about what he'd had to endure every day at Central High School, which led Henry Woods to say, I mean, Henry Jones to say, I think I'm going to go to Horace, man, which, which he did do. Johnny Billheimer left Little Rock for high school at Andover at a boarding school because the schools closed. He stood in the first year he went to high school. There were no high schools. He was a white person, so he was able to go. Only about half the black students continued their high school education when the schools closed. Nearly all the white students did because they were more able to find other alternatives. And their their window, you know, Henry Jones's father was a had a math degree, a college math degree, and worked his life as a waiter at the Little Rock Club. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, the difference. And Henry is just one of the greatest speakers and best people I've ever met. And I I really recommend listening to them talking about growing up black and white in Little Rock and their perspectives on Little Rock schools and, and what's happened since. I mean, Henry made the point that, you know, he was a first. He was a first law clerk and the first black federal magistrate in the South. And he said, what you have to remember about being first is all the people who should have been first before him and weren't. The people who were denied that being first doesn't mean much. What really means something is the people who should have been. It was really remarkable. That sounds great. We said Henry Woods. Hey, I'm, in, I'm Henry, sorry. I always Henry get Jones. them confused. Yeah. Henry Jones is is the former federal magistrate, and he lives in Washington now too. And Henry Woods was the Henry federal Woods judge. was the federal judge. He figured last night because they talked about Henry Woods' famous school desegregation ruling on school consolidation, and I kind of always get get confused. But I'm an old man. Okay, well let's leave it there. Uh, subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcast service and we'll be back next week see ya, see ya.